Kelly is entering the fourth year of her governorship of Kansas and faces a re-election challenge in 2022. Voters across the state will ultimately settle that political question. The Democrat vowed, when sworn into office after the 2018 election, to stabilize the state government's budget, bring coherence to K-12 public school funding, restore credibility to the state's transportation program after years of broken promises, and to get a grip on the troubled foster care system. Governor Kelly touts her work on those fronts and on economic development, but the governor is still chasing the elusive goal of expanding eligibility for Medicaid health benefits to more than 100,000 Kansans. She's recently proposed elimination of the state sales tax on food and a one-time $445 million tax rebate. And since early 2020, she's been absorbed by the COVID-19 pandemic, for good reason. The mutating coronavirus has killed 6,900 Kansans, with more than 4,000 of those fatalities occurring in 2021. It's hospitalized 16,500 people, including 10,000 this year, and the state just recorded its 500,000th confirmed case of COVID-19. It's a statewide plague. 62 of the state's 105 counties have reported more than 1,000 cases. Many Kansans are dismissive of the coronavirus threat. Vaccination rates in 20 counties hasn't topped 40% despite an Omicron variant sweeping the country. On this Reflector podcast episode, Tim Carpenter sat down with Governor Kelly in her office at the Capitol to talk about her work as the state's chief executive and her thoughts entering the 2022 legislative session. All right. So let's talk about things that could come up in legislative session, Medicaid expansion. Well, I hope uh, that it will come up, and I hope that uh, the leadership will allow it to come for a vote. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a no-brainer for a long time. Uh, I would hope with the additional incentives that the feds are offering, and with also the threat of a workaround, uh, that if we don't do this, you know, the feds will do it for us. Um, yeah, and that would not be a Kansas model. That would not be a Kansas <clears throat> model. So I would, I would hope that with all of those things aligning, that uh, finally um, they would just let it loose and let the debate occur uh, and let the vote happen. Yeah, not allowing bills on the floor and amendments and all that and serious committee consideration suggests that it's a political thing. They know it'll pass. It's absolutely, well, it has passed. Uh, I mean, it'll become a law if, if they if they take their foot off. Yep, this is this is true, um, and um, and they just need to let that one go, um, let it become part of Kansas. Uh, it should have been a long time ago. So that's a big tick. That's a big deal. It, there's there's a couple other related things that have been kicking around med, uh, medical marijuana mm-hmm. and sports wagering. And the new chairman of the Senate Fed and State Committee on the special session day assured me just out of nowhere, Mr. Olson, that these are going to happen. And I thought, okay, good for you. Well, you know, medical marijuana is something I've been advocating for since I was on the Public Health and Welfare Committee, and those parents brought those kids in with Dravet syndrome. Uh, and uh, I saw kids have what appeared to be seizures in the committee room. In the committee room. And, and some of those same parents moved out of state uh, mm-hmm. to be able to get treatment for their kids. Uh, so I've been a long-standing proponent of medical marijuana, uh, and I think this might be the year that we actually get it done. Uh, We're going to be surrounded by states, and then if we wait, I would think it just as a practical matter, Kansas is five years behind Missouri, or you know, with a big uh, metropolis in, mm-hmm. on the state line, 
Missouri is going to have all the infrastructure and have the businesses established, and the Kansas effort will be second tier. Sports wagering, I don't know if you, this is a big deal to you or not. Take yeah, it or leave it. I, I know that it's a big deal to, to some people, and you know if, um, if a bill that's responsible clean comes to my desk, I would sign it. I'm not opposed to sports wagering. I just want to make sure all the guardrails are in place. You know, you have an election next year. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate and to reminder. remind you of that. Uh, <clears throat> but, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting race, I think. And part of that race will be will be uh, conducted in the legislative session. You just, you sense you'll see more political uh, obstacles yeah. come January. Um, yeah, I've been around here long enough, Tim. I, I understand the cycles and I understand uh, that an election year generally, what happens in the legislature has a little bit, bit different flavor than uh, off election years. So we're fully prepared for that and I will deal with it just like I have for the last, what, 18 years. Uh, that, you know, I, I really don't bear an ideological cross. I'm really here. Uh, for good policy uh, and to do what's right for Kansas and for Kansans. And I will just continue operating exactly that way. Um, I think that uh, that's what we've done for the last three sessions in three years. Uh, I think we've been very successful in getting things that Kansans want and need done. Uh, and I just plan to do the exact same thing uh, as we go into this election year. Let's talk about COVID. What you, your governorship is marked by COVID, you know? Almost two years of it. Uh, there's no doubt that COVID has um, really consumed uh, a lot of focus, a lot of energy, not just on the administration part, but the entire state. I mean, every single citizen in the state of Kansas has been um, really... Um, uh, impacted uh, by by this in some way, shape, or form. Some people financially, some people obviously health-wise, um, you know, and, and certainly psychologically. It's It's been uh, a grueling time. You have to say that every Kansan has. Yeah. You know somebody was sick, you were sick, somebody died, somebody right. lost their job, kids in school, you know? Exactly. Um, and, and yet, uh, Tim, with all of that, um, we have been able to sort of keep our eye on the ball and recognize that, you know, when we ran in 18 pre-COVID and 19 pre-COVID, you know, we, we made some promises to Kansans, uh, and we have kept those promises in spite of COVID, you know, the, the laundry list, we have fully funded our public schools for three years. It'll be four when the next budget comes out. Uh, we have, uh, passed a bipartisan uh, transportation program uh, that is new and innovative and working, and we're funding it. Uh, we, we will close the Bank of KDOT, as promised, in fiscal year uh, 23. Um, you know, in, in addition, we're, we're not only meeting promises that we made, we made, we're keeping promises that were made in the last administration. In fact, we... In terms of highway... Highway work. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think the, the last T-Works project uh, is now in the pipeline hmm. uh, as of last week. So I've always wondered what would be the last 
stretch of highway that was a T-Works thing. And you could, you know, that's somebody's house district somewhere. It, it, it is. <laughs> so we, we finally, we've been able to do that in addition to moving ahead with new projects and, uh, and broadband expansion through mm -hmm. that uh, Ike program. Uh, you, know, we, you know, we promised uh, to take a deep dive into our child welfare system and make the necessary changes so that our kids were safe. Uh, and that they were not becoming wards of the state and stuck uh, there. Um, I think there are about a thousand fewer kids in foster care now than when we took office. Uh, and much more prevention going on, much more kinship uh, services going on. We, you know, we know we had a real problem with kids aging out of foster care with no place to go, no place to live, no job. We've put a lot of focus on those kids and you know, making sure that, they, uh, that they've got a place to live, that they've got uh, food on the table, that they've got a driver's license, that they've got you know, skill training uh, so that uh, we don't just abandon them. Uh, and you've also focused on economic growth. Yeah. Well, economic development has been uh, you know, just off the charts, as you know. And I do that because I want to be able to fund our schools, our roads, our foster care system, and you know, other essential mm. services. The only way to do that without raising taxes is to expand your uh, base. And so that's why we have uh, been so aggressive in recruiting uh, and retaining companies, growing companies, uh, here in the state of Kansas and, and creating new you, jobs. You kind of touched upon tax policy. The revenue that's come in the last couple of years has exceeded expectations, and they raise the expectations. And, it, and you know, at some point, we're gonna we're gonna come into equilibrium there. But there's enough money that there's talk about doing away with the food sales tax, which is essentially the highest in the country, I believe. It it is when you add our local, mm -hmm. uh, the state and local. Yeah, Mississippi is at seven percent, but they don't have local sales tax. This um, would be, you know, the sales tax is obviously regressive, and each dollar. Uh, spent on food by somebody in low-income categories is a tougher dollar to acquire than if, say, a millionaire was at the Absolutely. grocery store. Absolutely, it is. So that's a that's a huge thing for a lot of Kansans who could use a few extra bucks. Well, it's, it won't be just a few. You know, the average family will see about a five hundred dollar savings. Um, a family of four. So the reason this hasn't been done is because it's so expensive to to, expensive. to spike the sales tax yeah. on food. This it's hundreds will, of millions of dollars. This will cost us uh, in four hundred and fifty and five hundred million dollars. But because we've been so fiscally responsible over time, because we've been able to grow the economy uh, in the way that we have, I am very confident. You know, I was on the budget committee forever. Um, and not particularly uh, frivolous with our money. You know, I, I like to make sure that the money is there before uh, I'll vote to spend it. I am very confident that this we can eliminate this food sales tax and we can sustain that going forward. Um, you, you want to make that your your top tax priority, I presume. That that is my top tax priority. There'll be many other ideas, <clears throat> I imagine. You're going to have to beat off some of them with a stick, you know, income taxes and all, all kinds of other things. I thought I heard uh, the Senate president talk about 
Uh, I really think we need a, some sort of maybe a constitutional amendment <clears throat> requiring a two-thirds majority vote of the legislature to raise taxes. Yeah. I think we need to be very cautious about that. You know, there are a number of states that have done that. Colorado did that. Uh, Missouri's done that. California's done that. And it's been a disaster. It might work for a while, but at some point, at some juncture, there's going to be a not, crisis. It does not work. And, you know, you don't need to do something like that. You just need to approach budgeting revenues with a fiscally responsible way, not an ideological uh, point of view, but just, you know, what revenues do we have? What can that support? And budget accordingly. That's what we've done. That's why we're in such good shape. And that's why we can start um, putting money back in the pockets of Kansans, all Kansans, uh, and particularly the, the ones who need that money the most. What other aspirational ideas do you have uh, for money in the Treasury? Well, we know that the, the money that we're going to spend on the food sales tax we really do see is sustainable going forward. Uh, but there's other money uh, in that ending balance uh, that we believe is most likely one-time money hmm. really created by all the stimulus <coughs> funding uh, that came in mm -hmm. uh, over the last couple of years. And so what you, what you do with that kind of money is one-time things. So that, this will be an opportunity for us to look at paying down debt, you know, getting some of that debt off the books so that you know, that helps us in the out years by freeing up those state general funds. That so we'll be an example that you have KDOT debt, there's a, yeah, that's bonding. Mm -hmm. what, what others would there oh, be? Uh, well, for instance, we just paid off the loan that we took from the Pool Money Investment Board. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was $317 million that we just said, okay, rather than, you know, w there was a long-range plan to pay that down, we just paid it off. It's now, it's now done. We could look over and, and saying that we are doing any of these kinds of things because we're still looking at you know, crunching all the numbers. But, you know, we took out, essentially took out loans from CAPERS. Um, can we pay that back? Um, then there are other things over in um, uh, the Finance Development uh, Authority that uh, that's where all of our bonds right, are. Right, right. And they're crunching the numbers now to look at what bonds would make sense, what, or what what debt would make sense to pay off right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. we're, we're taking a look at all of that, because that, that's important. Uh, capital investment, you know, one-time capital investments, can we use some of the surplus to take care of things that have been uh, festering? Well, there's talk about, you know, the Board of Regents and state universities have a billion dollars in deferred maintenance. There could be, that could be a, a thing that you could spend money on for a couple of years or whatever. Yep. And then... And deferred maintenance. Um, and, and not just on buildings like that, but look at the wastewater treatment plants um, hmm. throughout the state. You know, we have, I mean, we're, we're not Michigan, but we've got our own problems uh, with... Uh, wastewater in particular, those are the kinds of things that nobody wants to invest right. in because it's just not not fun. Our, our water plan, uh, you know, is mm -hmm. is something that, you know, we've, we've had out there for years, but, you know, it's been a, an excellent plan uh, sitting on a shelf, uh, unfunded. Yeah, it's lacked funding. So... Just to secure a uh, clean, good water supply. 
Without water, and, and then. There's, there's no life. Western Kansas could just roll it up and, and move away. And we can't let that happen. Let's skip back to COVID. The flare-up on Omicron, mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think? Bummer. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, I mean, I, it's a little I, terrifying. I, like everybody else, was hoping that uh, the Delta was the worst we were going to see, and then we were going to get past that, and we could move on towards more normal. Uh, I think the Omicron has taken everybody uh, a bit by surprise and dismay, um, and the fact that it is so transmittable so readily. Uh, I think that I think that the biggest problem uh, with it is is how overwhelmed our hospital facilities are right now, and, and hope them get worse because that's impacting other healthcare services. You know, if you've got beds full of uh, of virus patients, you know, then what about somebody who really needs to come in for heart surgery? You know, needs to come in for an orthopedic procedure. Uh, that's that's really what a, the biggest Beyond problem. that, and, there's there's and, an issue about the nursing homes and the rehab hospitals yeah, all jammed up. They are all jammed up, and I was just going to get to that. We okay. have a huge staffing uh, issue, you know, both a staffing shortage, but also just an incredible amount of burnout uh, and fatigue on the part of these frontline healthcare workers who have been out at this uh, really hard for 21 months. Uh, it's a lot to ask, and a lot of them can't handle it. You know, we've had a lot of retirements uh, that probably wouldn't have happened uh, if it hadn't been for the stress of working in these environments. So, you know, my plea again to the Kansas people is, you know, when the pandemic first started in March of 2020, we did what we had to do because we based on what we knew at the time. So yeah, we had to close the schools. We had to close some of our businesses that had a lot of person-to-person -person contact. Uh, we don't want to do that, and we don't need to do that now, because we have the tools. You know, the vaccines, if you go the whole route, you get your booster shot, are incredibly effective in keeping people healthy and out of the hospital. Uh, I just have to beg and plead with Kansans to to take it upon themselves to do their part uh, to not only to stop the spread of the virus but to help out our healthcare workers. Before I get run off, yeah. uh, there's there's a lot of federal COVID money sitting in the bank, and I thought maybe some of that would have been spent by now. I mean, there's over a billion dollars, and there's still some uh, state finance council people who kicking a little bit, and, and spark, spark, there's some pushback about how some of the proposals that, that emerge, you know, and and actually uh, one of the spark members alleged it was just cronyism, that, that people pushing certain proposals were buying votes. Uh, you know, if you think back, I know exactly what you're referring to, but, you know, just go read back at all the articles that have been on the devastation that our kids have lived through and the impact on their education, on their mental health. Uh, it, it's massive and the learning loss is a real thing. Uh, we have got to take uh, drastic measures to address that and that's exactly what we did. 
And the same person who said um, that this is just, um, you know, this is buying votes. Why don't you do summer school and this and We've already done that. We've been doing that. You know, this is, an, this is, this is just knowing that the need is even deeper and greater. And so we've got to get it. And it's set up in a way uh, that, you know, the families where, and the kids who've been impacted the most, those are often in our communities of color and our lower income, they're, they're going to have first dibs on, on these funds to be able, hopefully, uh, you know, sort of change the course of their academic career. So, no, I'm not, we're not trying to, I folks, we're trying to help kids.